0: Father, we're so grateful that you've created us, that you've given us breath, that you've given us life, and God, it seems like it's the least that we could do to return that to you just in a little bit, Father, with our words, with our hearts of praise, acknowledging who you are, so much bigger than we are, so much bigger than we can comprehend. Great, oh so great are you, Lord. Thank you for loving us, in Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated. Well, we are several weeks into a series called Made to Flourish. And I love the picture that's kind of tucked into that flourish word there, too. That looks like a flourishing place to be. We've, uh, we've enjoyed a few weeks of understanding what God has for us. And, and this concept of flourish, I think, is something that we all want, we all yearn for in life. And truly, we were made for it, as we understand that, right back to the beginning in, in the book of Genesis... Uh, it's right there for us. And Ron has shared uh, these last few weeks, to flourish really means to bloom or to grow. It means to thrive, be energized, shine, bear fruit even, you know, break forth, overflow. Well, today, as Ron said a little earlier, we're talking about purpose and we'll be looking at how God created us and gave us work to do as part of our original purpose in life. And uh, our original purpose in life. and, And then I... Right off the bat, even as I started looking into this, it almost seems like that's contradictory, this concept of work and flourishing, right? Those are like two, aren't those opposite things, you know, that, that uh, isn't, you know we work and then we flourish, right? Work isn't necessarily a part of that. Well, it figures that when preparing to speak this week about work that my work world would go crazy. And... Uh, I'm not sure I was flourishing all week long as I, as I might have wanted, as I might have desired. So you see, on top of preparing for them, cleaning up after them, and dinner on Monday, and I had a chance to schedule a whole bunch of campus visits this week, we're preparing for our link service projects on April 29th. Some of you are pulling out your calendars even now. Good for you to write down that date. That's our all-church joining with other churches to serve our community. And so I think I scheduled a few too many campus visits because they're wonderful, but they take time in the midst of trying to also prepare a talk. And the biggest trial this week in terms of work uh, was simply the fact that our clothes dryer at home decided to stop heating, not turning so you only discover it after you run your load and it's still all wet and you run your load and it's still all wet and I think that was Saturday night and so we hit the ground running on Monday uh for you know with work and so there was additional work there of trying to see if you need to understand that missing a dryer with a family of seven is near catastrophic okay (laughs) I do most of the laundry at home because my wife does so many other things I figure that's something I can take off take off her uh off her you know her chore her her back and so that's um 15 to 20 loads a week. That's our life, you know, kids involved in sports and dance and everything else going on through that. So I had the chance to not only try to find time to pull that dryer apart and pull pieces out and diagnose what's going on in my spare time, but also I'm bringing laundry to church, here to church, to use our dryer every single day. And fitting that in, going back and forth to the children's wing and dropping things off and coming back and and doing work through this. So I had a chance to find out what flourishing at work was really all about. (laughs) And, uh, you know, most of us, when it comes to work, I, I think when we think about work and flourish, again, they seem like opposite things. So many of us maybe feel like we're flailing, not flourishing at work, or we're barely functioning, you know, or flat out failing at work. Flourishing is not part of it. And really, I want to, to see with you this morning that that's not God's design, uh, believe it or not. And now, now, to understand how all this works today, that's this work and flourishing together is one thing. I want to do two things uh, as we look at Genesis, because that's really what this series is, is looking at the, the first few chapters of Genesis as we get started. I, I want to, first of all, understand and know God better. I, the closer I can get to understand God, the one who created me, the better that is for me to understand and to know. And, and, and then after that, I want to see how he created us and empowers us to flourish in the context of work. So I want to start with God, the originator and creator of all, understand him better. And then what does he put in me and desire for me in the way of work and, and this concept of flourishing? So if you have your outline, you can follow along on that, fill in a few blanks on the way. If you have your Bible, you can open up right to the beginning. We'll be in Genesis chapter 1, the beginning of chapter 2. There'll be a verse uh, reference uh, here and there perhaps also, but you can be right there and we'll do that together. First, we're going to start with God and work, specifically looking at God in Genesis 1 and 2. That's what it says in your outline. So the first first point that Scripture points out to us right from the beginning is that God is a worker, Now, I don't know if you've ever thought about God in that way. We know that God is great, God is good, God is powerful, God is all this, God is all that. Just amazing things, but God, God is a worker. And it says in the very first words of the Bible, again, in Genesis 1-1, the very first words, and Ron has spent time in the last two weeks really looking at this whole design and creation concept, but it says, in the beginning... God created the heavens and the earth. In the beginning, God created. Now, that created word I learned, learned many years ago, even before seminary for me, and a long story about that, but that word created is the Hebrew word B-A-R-A, which simply is bara. That sounds simple, but when you do Hebrew, you have to uh, say it like that. So bara, for those of you that care. So that word bara there is significant. It means created, shaped, or formed, and it's usually used to, um, to denote creation from nothing. Okay, now not always is it used that way, and there's disagreement about that here, but usually used in that sentence, and God barad things in the earth, and, and its emphasis is definitely on forming uh, something pristine, really perfection, really beautiful, a masterpiece, masterpiece, which is what God did, as Ron spoke to us, the last two weeks, uh, and so for today's purposes, though, I want to see that from the very beginning of recorded time, God began to work, that, that's what it began was, this, cre- this work of creation, this bara that's here. Um, God doesn't have to work, but he chooses to work, and he chose to work. And For us, I think, you know, I thought about myself, if I was God, I think I'd be hanging out in the heavenly Tahiti areas right about now, right? Doesn't that sound better than work, relaxing and enjoying some quality leisure? I mean, I think sometimes for us, work is I want to work and then I hurry up and get to that whew, retirement. That's when I'll flourish And again, today, I want to help us see that is not what what God intends here. You see, God didn't just work from the beginning, but he continues to work today, doing things like holding all things physically together. Colossians tell us that Jesus actively does that physically drawing people to himself, restraining evil in the world. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you're involved in that because as messed up as things seem sometimes in the world when you look at the world and the flesh and the demonic world, um, can you imagine what things would be like if the Holy Spirit wasn't here, (laughs) restraining evil? God is actively working even now. So first of all, God is a worker. From the very beginning, he chooses to do that. Next, God works purposefully with joy and with excellence. God works purposefully. We're just understanding God now, realizing made in his image. Perhaps this will overlap on us. But Genesis one thirty-one, the first part of that verse towards the end of chapter 1, it says, and God, after some of the creation account, it says, and God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. Okay? It was very good. You see, God works purposely, purposefully. We see, we see order in his creation you know we, we see creativity we see purpose he's really an artist who creates with passion but he doesn't just throw buckets of paint on the canvas you know i think i'll try some yellow and see what happens you know it isn't it isn't that way at all it's it's ordered it it um it looks so good and and, and we see consideration in god we see planning and we see purpose Creation reveals God's glory. It says that in a number of places in Scripture. And His majesty, it reveals... It, creation reveals who God is. Uh, even in our fallen creation, and we'll talk about the fall in a few weeks in terms of sin coming into the world, but we sure see God. God works with joy and with excellence, not just purpose. Um, I have to believe that during the creation process, God had a ball. Did you Have you ever thought about that? And you know, I just think like, holy cow, you spoke things into existence? That just sounds crazy but he did excellent work remember the word bara implies creative work of a masterpiece okay again and and god didn't just kind of do it off on the side this was his full attention and his best work and multiple times in the creative account uh, in genesis it said god saw all he created and it was good and he even said it was very good several times god's considering and looking and he's looking back and on god's terms who's perfect he's looking at it going that's good I did good, right there, you know. And then what about joy? Because we said purposeful with excellence in joy. And I can just picture this God-sized grin on his face as he spoke into existence the sun and the moon. Kind of like that, right? And he's doing that, and the plants and the trees and the animals. Okay. God makes the cute and cuddly little koala, and he smiles thinking of the countless millions of people who will see one for the first time and go, ah, especially you gals right? Koala, a little fuzzy, you know, I want to hold one. God makes the lemon fruit and he laughs out loud picturing the countless billions of sour faces people will make when they first bite into one, right? That little thing here, try this, you know, that that happens. I just see God and his variety and his creativity going, he's not like, oh God, I got to go to work today and make some fruit, (laughs) you know, got to design some stinking animals, four legs, two legs, whatever, you know, that that there's this, there's a joy in this. Look what I'm choosing to do in creation, let alone the variety that is sitting here in this room. And the joy that God had, the smile on his face as he designed each and every one of you, that's the Lord, excellence and joy and purpose. What an amazing job God did in his work. Now, again, God's work reveals who he is, purposeful. Joyful. Excellent. Well, third, God plans and takes strategic rest. Oh, good. I knew we'd get to some good stuff, right? Rest sounds pretty good. Genesis 2, 2, right after this creation account here in Genesis 1. And it says on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done. And he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. Now, I find it interesting that God didn't need to rest. It just said that he did rest. Okay, I just want to point that out. Um, He didn't rest because he was tired. God is all-powerful. He never needs to rest. Now, all-powerful means a couple of things. It means that God God can do anything and everything that doesn't conflict with his nature, and that's all-powerful. But it also means that he has that power all the time. There's never any less of it. Even with a huge you know, outpouring of power, it doesn't deplete God at all because he is all-powerful. So as big of a job as creation was, and it was pretty massive, it didn't exhaust God. He didn't even need to take a nap, you know. unlike some of us that our Sunday morning kind of tires us out. We need to go home and, you know, and hit the couch or something, right, and lay down a little bit. That's not God there. Isaiah 40:28 says, The everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, he never faints. He never, he never faints, nor is weary. He never faints. He does not faint or grow weary. God stopped working in his, right? And it was a purposeful stop. He was done. It was finished. Purposeful work, purposeful rest. I have a purpose for all these things. So so that's God and work as we get started this morning. Just taking a look at God, how how, how who He is, how He does things, um, and 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 then I want to look at the concepts now to move that to us, flourishing and work for us. But but we, before we dive into the little points and filling out the blanks, I want to kind of take a, a big picture look at um, this for a moment: flourishing and work, those two concepts, because I want to help us see that they're not they're not enemies, flourishing and work, that they're really partners. You see, to flourish in this life, we're going to see that work is a part of it. And <clears throat> to make sure we understand and apply this today to all of us, okay, because some of you are going, I'm too young, I'm not working, I'm, I've got something going on physically in my life, I can't work, I'm retired, I'm not working, so that all of, the, all of you are saying, I don't need to listen today. Yes, you do, because sure work here absolutely applies to a vocation concept, but it also may be schoolwork. It may be work in retirement, because most of the retired folks I know are busier than those that are working in a vocation. Some of you are smiling right now, right? It it can be the work of volunteering, of serving. It can be the work around the house, of household work and chores and fixing dryers. Even caring for grandkids and the work that's involved in that with kids and stuff. So, So there are lots and lots of applications, so lest it fall into just because as we're going to see, God's creation and and plan for work for man was not, in our mind, we think work is to make money. And we'll touch on that briefly, but it's so much more. And so our work today applies to each one of us where you're at. God, what is my work today? I ask that he'd reveal that to us. So um, that's kind of behind the scenes. I want to look at it in more detail. Now, first of all, we looked at God. We're going to look at ourselves, and there are some really good parallels. Remember, we were created in his image. And some of the things that show up in God show up in us as well. So first of all, we were created to work. We were created to work. Just as I said, God is a worker, and then he created us to work. And, and at Genesis 2.15, now we're into chapter 2 here as we walk through. It says, the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it, <laughs> to work it and keep it, to tend it and care for it. That's what God did. Now, it's important to understand that this call to work was before sin came into the world. Some of us are thinking, oh, yeah, sin's part of that curse thing, right? Part of the sin, uh, excuse me, work is part of the sin thing, the curse, the fall. And I want you to know this is before any of that happened, before Adam and Eve and the serpent and all that stuff. And again, in a few weeks, we'll talk about the fall uh, and, and sin coming into the world. But this is pre-curse. Work itself is not the curse, It's not. It's a part of God's original plan, design. Work is to be a part of a flourishing life. You find fulfillment and you flourish when you find and carry out your calling. Being who you were created to be, and that includes your work. Now, your work shouldn't define you. Okay. Life is so much more than that. Sometimes us guys go into that. You know, we meet each other and say, What do you do for a living? You know, what do you do? Like, who are you? (laughs) Well, I mean, work is was a part of who I am, but it's, it's so much more than that. But God did create us to work, and and that's absolutely a part of a flourishing life. Next, we can flourish when we work hard with joy and excellence. Again, we see some parallels here. Um, We talked about purposeful here with God, but we can flourish when we work hard with joy and with excellence. See, hard work can be a great thing, not just a tiring thing, believe it or not. It can be a great thing. It doesn't necessarily become a great thing right but it can be and when we work with joy in our hearts and we pursue excellence excellence in all we do it can be amazing so we stop and say well what work did god give adam and yes indeed eve when she came in the picture to do Well, we see in Genesis 1, 28 and 29, and it said, and God blessed them. Now, the Hebrew functioning, guys, if you ever get confused through the first chapters of Genesis, the Hebrews aren't so concerned like we are in a Western world of doing things chronologically and linearly. They don't. It just kind of does this sometimes. So the fact that there sounds like there's two creation accounts in the first couple of Genesis, it's not. They give you a little account, and then they go back and retell it and expand it, and it's not necessarily in order because that's not important to them. It drives us crazy but it's not so important to the Hebrew mindset, okay? Just so you understand that. So in this passage, it says, and God blessed them. That's talking not just Adam, but Adam and Eve. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. Obviously, it's a them involved, right? Is this the hard work part here? Be fruitful and... Anyway, someone has to do it, right? It says, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. And have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heaven and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And God said, behold, I've given you every plant yielding seed that's on the face of all the earth. And every tree with seed in its fruit, you shall have them for food. So here's this big passage. Basically, God says, you get to tend the garden, my garden, my creation. So take care of the plants. In fact, take care of all of the plants. Hard work, right? You master gardeners out there or want to be master gardeners, that's hard work, you know? Even even in those days, just based on the quantity and the variety and everything else, it's hard to do well, but what a joy when the flowers come up so perfectly, right? What a joy when that fruit appears, when those vegetables, those real tomatoes, not the stuff we buy in the stores, but the ones that actually have major flavor, when those comes up, ah, it's so worth the work, right? God says, take care of the animals, all the animals. Tend them even name them, and, and, and I'm entrusting you with my whole creation, God says. Does that sound like fun or what? I mean, as kids, we go there in our minds. What, what it might have been like, what it must have been like in terms of work. Hard work, yes, but joyful work. And, 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 and the call is to do excellent work just like God deserves. God says, you know, I, I did my best with creation. I want you to do your best with my creation on your terms. Well that's great for them back then, you know, for Adam, right? But what does that look like for us today? The nature of the world has certainly changed, but God still wants us to be willing to work hard and to work with a great attitude. That's that's the joy part and to work with excellence. So whether you're a bus driver or you're a carpenter, whether you're a teacher, a salesperson, whether you run a business, own a business or just work in a business, your attitude and approach to work will make all the difference. And you can flourish right where you are, even if it's not your favorite job of all time. I'm just kind of in this one for a moment, you know, John, until I find something else. That's okay. But see, here's the key. Work, work with his motivation, his plan. Work doing the things God calls us to do in the way he calls us to do them. Okay, That's going to lead to fruitful work and a flourishing perspective on life. Well, here's what I mean. See, here's the hard truth. I think that our work is often on our terms, not, not God's. We make the choice when we work, what we work on, how much we work, how hard we work, right? And, and we may give some deference or, or, you know, acknowledge God in the process, but work's kind of our thing, especially for us guys, and it becomes our thing. But the truth is work on our terms can get ugly and it can get frustrating, and it's the feeling that can lead to a feeling of a wasted life that Solomon writes about in Ecclesiastes. Because Solomon went through a period of time when he was like Mr. Workaholic, you know? And he had the resources to do whatever he wanted to do. But in Ecclesiastes chapter 2, 22 and 23, Solomon's writing and he's reflecting. and He says, what has a man from all the toil and striving of heart with which he toils beneath the sun? All the work that I've done and the building of great buildings and gardens and just the people around the world are going, wow, Solomon, you're amazing. And for all his days are full of sorrow, says Solomon, and his work is a vexation. <laughs> It's kind of the translation from that Hebrew. <laughs> Even in the night, his heart does not rest. This also is vanity. He said, I poured myself into work. Because, yeah, us guys, man, it's all about the work. And sure about the money. And sure about the feeling good and purposeful and all that. And, you know, I went through all that. And it led me just nowhere. It's vanity. It's a wasted life is what it feels like. See, hard work... Hard work can be a great thing, but God, we want it to be on your terms, not ours. You know? My work, my time, my place, my way. God, what is your work, your time, your way, your place? Now, when we talk about hard work, I also just want to point out that it's not work addiction. You know what I mean? The workaholic scene. A workaholic, if, if work is is uh, fruitful and leads to a flourishing life, and the more I work, the more flourishing I'm going to be. Nope. You missed it. <laughs> a workaholic is working on his or her own terms, and that's vanity. That's the wasted life that, that Solomon talked about, too. So, somewhere here, there's a balance. Right now, third, we can flourish when we work with purpose. Yes, we can work hard. God calls us to flourish by working hard with joy and with excellence. But also, then, and a very key one here is, it was with purpose. See, just like God works with purpose, we need to understand the essential purposes of our own work. And sure, we do vocational work to to provide for our families, and that's a reality, and and that's that's fine. In fact, that's good. That's needed. But but there's more, right? There's more. Uh, A huge overarching purpose of our work is to worship and glorify God. That's why one of the big reasons why God has put work in front of us. See, Adam way back when, and Adam and Eve, they didn't need to, quote-unquote, earn a living, and yet God gave them purposeful work to do from the very beginning. And Pastor Ron read these verses earlier. You know, we're teaching out of Genesis during this passage, but occasionally it's something, another couple of verses will help kind of shed some light on things. And because you bring Jesus into the picture and it gives it the perspective here in Colossians 3, it says, whatever you do, whatever you do, good job or bad, right? (laughs) Work hardly. There's the work hard. As for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as a reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. You see, my purpose, my goal is to do all my work as if I'm working directly for Jesus. What about you? Can you say he's my boss? I I can glorify God in all my work. At least that can be my goal. And if I can't glorify God in some aspect of my work, maybe it's time to reevaluate what I'm working on, right? If my work calls me to do something that I would be embarrassed to have Jesus see or participate in, It's really time to rethink that part of my work. Well, you know, it's kind of just what I do over here. Maybe maybe it's time to evaluate and reevaluate today. We're called to glorify God in our work as a direct purpose of our work. It's not a a byproduct. It's not just an occasional circumstantial thing. It's a purpose for our work. I work. I go to work. I work the way that I work. My attitude. Whatever your work is, even in retirement... It's before me so that I can glorify God. I don't work and hope to glorify God. I work to glorify God. You get the difference? It's a huge difference. I started thinking about this. Every time we do a great service project, you know, you get involved in a ministry. You go on a missions trip to Uganda or Mexico, which we've got it coming up here in a few weeks during spring break. Every time we do something big and giving like that, even the link projects, we go out and serve. And, oh, it feels feels so good. You know, we feel so blessed, so fulfilled. And we feel so alive. We feel, well, flourishing, really. And that can come up because we see the point and the purpose of that work. It's right in front of us. It's spelled out for us. And we get to accomplish that. We see that it glorifies God directly. And it advances the kingdom. Wow, it took a step forward with what God wanted to accomplish, you know. Well, that's easy to see when I'm doing a ministry thing, a big service project with the Lord. But here's a big question. Shouldn't that be the same for our every bit of work here at home, wherever you're working? Not just when you go out and do something spectacular or something special. Now, you may think it's easier to do this for those of us who are pastors or, or who work in ministry, you know, employed in missions ministry or whatever. Um that may sound easier. I mean, wouldn't it be easier to work hard with joy and excellence and see how you can worship and glorify God when you're in a church or a ministry setting? Well, I want to I have you understand something today. By the way, it's great. It's awesome. A, a call to pastoral ministry has been an amazing thing for me, but it's not intrinsically higher than a call into another profession. Is that, have you been told that over the years? I find that that isn't what I've always heard who special people are called to be a missionary. Special people are called. Yeah, they are. But everybody's special. And God has a special call for each one of us. God wants kingdom ministry to happen at all of them. I absolutely feel blessed and privileged to be a pastor here at Twin Cities Church. Thank you, Lord. But I was equally called before I was a pastor to do kingdom work in the area of commercial music, my previous profession down in Southern California. I was equally called. It wasn't like God said, do this until I call you to something, to the the good stuff, right? It's, It's right there. It was a different calling, but it was a calling just the same and an important one. You see, you're called to worship and glorify God, cutting hair, babysitting little ones, babysitting big ones, if that's your world, right? Bagging groceries, filling prescriptions, selling insurance, filling papers, gardening, and on and on and on. It's a calling. It's a privilege. It's a way that you can glorify God by working hard with joy and with excellence. This is my, this is my call, even if it's not my ideal job. For now, this is where God has me. I want uh, us to watch this short video here that does a great job of making this point and marrying this concept of, of secular in a sense and sacred together. Let's watch this video.
1: Our lives are not divided into two halves, with one part being sacred and another part secular. Worship is not reserved only for Sunday morning, but for Monday morning as well. Every time we get out of bed and ready ourselves for the day, every time we labor at a task, no matter how insignificant it may seem, every moment is a gift. moment belongs to the one who gave us that moment There is a way that leads a man to flourish It is freedom The freedom to discover his true potential to keep the fruits of his labor find fulfillment in his work. These freedoms are the right of every person, because they come woven into the God-given dignity of every person. Where they exist, societies and people flourish. Where they are absent, there is only poverty. These freedoms must be championed, for this is God's design for us, for the good of all he has created.
0: are so valuable to god right where you are right where you are if you realize and act on your purpose it's a calling it's an opportunity to flourish well next the other purpose for our work is to lead others towards jesus that's a purpose for our work is to lead others towards jesus and this this purpose is huge and it's one that i think we miss all the time in other words, I think we work, and occasionally if I get a chance to impact someone for Jesus off to the side, that's awesome, right? But really, this is essential to our leading a flourishing life. See, here's the deal. On Sunday, <clears throat> on Sunday all together, we are the body of Christ, gathered at church. Here we are. And on Monday, we are the same body of Christ, purposely scattered to work in the world, bearing witness about Jesus in everything we say and do. You see, God puts us in our specific vocations, all of our different vocations, and our volunteering and our different areas of work, right? So we can reach all the other people in those vocations that don't yet know and understand the love and forgiveness of Jesus. That's why we're in different places. If he gathered us all together, that'd be a whole lot of fun, but it wouldn't be very effective, right, for him. It's why God puts you there. Matthew 5, some, some verses that are well known, says, you are the light of the world, you are the light of the world, and I'm going to add, at work, you are the light of the world. That's that's my addition, right? <laughs> a city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house, to all in the workplace. In the same way, let your light shine before others at work, <laughs> so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. So that just leads me to a question. How can you appropriately express your faith at work? Okay, don't do it in such a way to get yourself fired, right? There's some inappropriate ways and times and places and things to do that. But work with integrity. Work with excellence. Work with great, great joy. A joyful attitude. Be helpful. Be a team player. Do all those things that glorify God that you would do if your boss was Jesus, which we discovered earlier is what we're supposed to do anyway, right? So... How we work demonstrates Jesus. And then look for opportunities to express your faith positively in the right ways. Offer to pray for someone who's hurting or in trouble. You'll find they'll be open to prayer. Even if they don't necessarily believe in God, they'll be open to your prayers. <laughs> look to express peace and confidence in the midst of this uncertain world that we're in. You know, why are you have, do you have peace and confidence? What do you know that I don't know? I, I don't know the future, but, but I have peace and confidence in him. Invite someone to our Easter services. They're coming up. People are very, very willing to come to an Easter service. That's one of the couple times a year most people go to church if they're open at all. So invite somebody. There's so many ways to do this to express your faith at work. God has given you this purpose for your work. And then finally on your outline, we can flourish when we balance our work with proper rest. We had to leave this to the end, but that's where God's rest happens is at the end as well. And in Exodus 20, part of the Ten Commandments. Remember the Sabbath day, because that's what God created, right? To keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, your male servant or your female servant or your livestock or the sojourner, the traveler who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made the heaven, we, we've been looking at that, right? The heavens and earth, the sea and all that's in them and, and God rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. I think the truth is, for some of us, we, we struggle with this. It's two sides. Some of us don't rest enough. You know, we're too driven, and it misses what God intends for us. We miss the opportunity to flourish when we work too much, because it becomes on our terms what we talked about, and it's, it's uh, Solomon saying vanity. Others of us rest too much. <laughs> And that misses the mark, too, you know, on the other end of things. Rest without work is, is really the Bible talks about that, you know, laziness in a sense that's there. And you won't flourish there either. Well, I want to close in prayer with you today, but, but this is a little unusual because I want to offer you the chance to do something different today, to have an active response. If God's kind of spoken to you about your work, again, your schoolwork, your, your ret- work in retirement, your vocation work, your work caring for your kids if you're a stay-at-home mom, You know, I want to offer you the chance to receive a commissioning this morning. And I mean that seriously, a commissioning. You see, we commission people in church ministry and missions all the time. We call people forward and we give them. We recognize that special calling. We lay hands on them and we pray for them. We'll be doing that in a couple weeks to send the team that's heading to Mexico for this next mission trip. And we, oh, that's great. We can commission them, recognize their calling and pray for them. But haven't we said today that your ministry and your mission field in your workplace is equally real, it's equally valid, and equally vital to building God's kingdom? Yay for the pastors, the preachers, the missionaries, the full-time, you know, in the church work field. But yay for you. Yay for you in your workplace. You're vital to building God's kingdom. So maybe you'll realize that more and maybe you'll take it more seriously if you're commissioned into that ministry and that mission today right now and i'm going to give you that opportunity um here's a deal we'll take this active response from you if you want to receive a commissioning to go and be god's light in your work whatever that work may be i'd love to ask you to stand right now this is no big special thing in a sense but it's you recognizing saying you know what I want to take this seriously. God, you are calling me into this work with a purpose to glorify you, to worship you, and to be a light for Jesus in the same way that the pastors and the missionaries and some of those types of people are as well. And you're standing now. And I just, I'm going to ask you a couple of questions, then I want to pray with you. So here's my questions for those of you who are standing, and it's fine if you stand halfway through this. If God's speaking and you're a little slower to respond, that's okay. Here's my first question. As someone who is committed to following Jesus' call in your life, will you allow the expression of your personality and the exercise of your spiritual gifts and natural talents to be directed and empowered for the glory of Jesus Christ as Lord? If so, say, I will. I will. will you encourage one another towards seeing your work as more than just a job or just a paycheck? but is the means by which God is saving and transforming the world through his people. If so, say, with God's help, I will. Yes. And let me pray for all of us. Father, there's some of us, many of us standing today, um, and Lord, I thank you for that. Uh, thank you for the call that you put on our lives, Father, that... that um, God, we can hear your voice and your call, and we can respond. And so, Father, I just pray actively right now for each person in this room, and especially for those that have responded by standing, Father. We recognize your call. Father, we commission them to be missionaries. We commission them to be ministers of the gospel of Jesus Christ at their workplace, Father. May they work with excellence and joy. May they work hard. May they work with integrity. Father, may they represent you in their work and their actions. And, Father, may their words lead people to Jesus, Father, as you do your kingdom work, Father, in each one of us, in so many places, each day throughout this very week. God, we recognize and commission and commit these people to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And you can be seated.